Dare to wonder what happens when I die? What happens when we die? <laughs> Let's read the text uh, initially this morning and uh, work our way through a few what I hope are interesting thoughts and hopefully more than anything else. Encouragement. Paul writes to the church in Corinth that was ridiculously out of control, trying to calm them down, trying to bring a sense of level-headedness, trying to bring a sense of peace. And he gets to the very end of his first letter of probably three letters, two that are in the Bible, and there's probably another one. And just let this sink in. It's all about the resurrection of Christ. I know it's not Easter. I get that. Uh, But this is still a great text, and I think it's worth us considering uh, together. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, We are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And this is peculiar. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Good news. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There it is a second time. Isn't that fascinating? This notion of falling asleep. We're going to come back to that. For since death came through a man, Jesus, uh, Adam, The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, the Christ. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, key phrase, those who belong to him who have fallen asleep. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Great phrase. Powerful phrase, let's go back to that for a second. All kinds of things in dominion, power, and authority. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it's clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Now, if there's no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I love this phrase. Come back to your senses. 
Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning. There are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to your shame. And that's the reading of God's thick theological word for this morning. I'll try to make it a little simpler, if possible. Sound good? Let's pray together. Loving and holy God. A lot of big words, thick and deep. Let's make it simple and plain and create a pathway for us that's hopeful. In your strong name we pray. Amen. So, anybody like movies out there? Any moviegoers? Okay, we got, we got a few moviegoers. How, how about readers? You got, are there good people that love to read? Just give me some of your favorite movies of all time, some of your favorite books. Just a couple, really quick, really fast. Toy Story 4. By the way, the, Peter Doctor, I got to tell you this story. Peter Doctor, who did Toy Story 4 and all the Toy Stories and is now in charge of Pixar, I had the honor of marrying he and his wife 28 years ago. Now, this is the other fascinating thing. In later next month, his son, who's now late 20s, getting married, they asked me to do his son's wedding, too. Isn't that fun? That'll be kind of fun. Somewhere in, somewhere in Anaheim, I'll hook it up to the GPS and hopefully get there on time. Okay, Toy Story, what else? Yesterday. Yesterday, new movie, good one. What else? Muppet movie. Muppet movie. <laughs> Mike, did you just say that? Nice. To Kill a Mockingbird. Great. What else? A river runs through it. Very good. Sounds of music. Star, any Star Wars fans? No? Okay. All right. So you get... You get you, wow. That was, that was really fast. No, not really. Not really. Okay. So a lot of great stories out there, right? What I'm trying to do here is we have an amazing story. We have just as an amazing story, if you really consider the plot line that's implied in this text, and I would like to walk us through what I think some of the highlights might be. Now, later today, read the rest of 1 Corinthians, because there's a lot more coming on in the rest of chapter 15, but I, I wanted to get you home before noon and uh, do that. I, I think because Christ rose from the dead, we have a future and a hope, and it's a great story. We have a future... Number one, and we have a hope. Number two, we have a future, and it's a great story. And because of that future, it should drive us to be hopeful people. Number two, see where I'm going? I want to unpack future, our story, hope, and what that means for us today. Just for a little bit. Why? Because of the resurrection of the Christ, the universal Christ, the cosmic Christ who will one day put all things under his feet and turn everything over to the Godhead. Powers, principalities, and powers. Good governments, bad governments. Good politicians, bad politicians. Everything will be put. Those are powers and principalities, just like anything else. It's not just spiritual realm. All principality, power, and authority will be given back to God in a perfect, transformed way. That should give us hope. Doesn't it? Oh my gosh. Doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know we want it now. That's why the word patience comes from a Latin word, pateo, not potato. And it means to suffer. 
It means to suffer. That's extra today too. So what's our amazing future story? I want to break it down and give us four steps, and you can disagree with me on this. Some of this will be provocative, I hope. Here's our future story. It's, it's just as great as any of these movies or any of the books that we've ever read if we actually think about the story that we have before us and not take it for granted or blow it off or compartmentalize it, but internalize it so there's congruency. And this is the hard thing to do. Why? We want it now. Here's the deal, our amazing future story. What happens when we die? You've already died in Christ. Every single one of us has already died in Christ to the old nature. And we've taken on a new nature. Actually, my friends, that decision was your only death. When we were created in Genesis 1 and 2, humankind was called good. No good thing ever fully dies. Not even you. So when you say no to the old self and yes to the new self in Christ, that death is really an important death. That's the only one we've got. Everything else is a spiraling, deepening transformation. So there's no fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. Now, when we do close our eyes to this world, and we've all been to memorial services, whatever we want to call them, and it depends on what part of the country you live in, funerals, memorial services, celebrations of life, the list is long. For Christian people, we, we, we die, we're no longer here, but we're still alive. We go to a place called heaven. Now here's where it gets kind of interesting. Our text says that it's for folks who have fallen asleep. That's what happens between the first coming of Christ in Advent and the second coming of Christ sometime in the future. When we die in this in-between time, we go to a place called heaven. That place is temporary. It's not ultimate. It's penultimate. And what goes on there? I don't know. Some folks come back and tell us about it. So we've already put to death our old self. When we close our eyes to this world and our body stops breathing, our soul and spirit goes to a place called heaven where we, I don't really subscribe to soul sleep, but we, that's where we go. It's not ultimate. It's temporary. Then at some point in the future, third aspect to this amazing story, we're resurrected into a spiritual body like Jesus Christ. Now this is where it gets even crazier. This is at some point in the future when Christ returns, if you believe all this stuff, which I do, and you kind of, you can disagree, but you want your pastor to believe in this stuff. We're resurrected into a spiritual body just like Jesus was. Now if you remember some of the post-resurrection experiences, it gets kind of crazy, and it's a great movie, and it's a great story, only it's ours. Notice the types of things that happen. Uh, Jesus' resurrection body was physical and material. So will ours be. Jesus eats food. So will we. Don't know what it's going to be like. Can't wait to taste it. Jesus' spiritual body had unusual properties. So will we. 
Jesus was hard to recognize, yet recognizable. There was just something about his resurrection body that made him recognizable and not recognizable at the same time. Mary Magdalene, Lord, is that you? It is I. Oh, yeah. Recognizable and yet not recognizable, at least according to the text. And it's our baptism that assures, ensures that this is our future story. You tracking? Isn't this amazing? It's so crazy, it's either true or not. So let me ask you, if you were there on Easter Sunday morning and you saw Jesus come out of the grave, actually forget it, I'm not going to do it that way. What if we put a camera outside the grave and, asked, and, and videotaped Jesus coming out of the tomb on Easter Sunday morning? What do you think we saw? I love thinking about this. This is the kind of thing I do. It's bizarre. We probably wouldn't see one guy named Jesus, the human Jesus, just kind of standing out there in a silhouette form. That's the Jesus that died on the cross. But the human divine Jesus, the incarnated Jesus, died on the cross and went to the grave. Who came out of the grave? The Christ. The Christ. Jesus, the Christ. And it wouldn't have been a silhouette of a guy, you know, hungry. Anybody got any donuts? I kind of want some donuts. Coffee? No, I, th- I think if we had a camera there, notice this, I think it's fascinating. Bright lights, crazy light, recognizable but unrecognizable, pure holiness, everything we just read in the text. If we had been there, that is more likely what would have happened. Bright light, and you know, all the old iconographers, that's why Jesus always had a halo around his head. The glory of the Christ, the resurrected Christ. Not my buddy Jesus, not my bestie, you know, if I'm a girl, not my boyfriend Jesus. Or if I'm a guy, not my, not my BFF, my man cave Jesus, not that Jesus. Not the caricature Jesus. Oh man, I can't speak. Not the caricature Jesus. The universal Christ. The cosmic Christ who will put all things under the feet of God. That's an amazing story. It's ours. Okay, I left you hanging with this temporary place called heaven. Our final state, our final resting place, our final location is the new heaven and new earth, Revelation 21. Now this is where it gets crazy. Most theological thinkers now believe, uh, and I tend to concur, that in Revelation 21, notice, notice where heaven comes from. It comes from the sky and transforms the earth. There's a new heaven and new earth. It's completely transformed. This, we're on it right now. This is our final state. That's the ultimate location. Are you tracking? Is this new? I don't know, man. I've never thought about it before. Well, then, today's worth the money. 
That's our final state. It's a new heaven and new earth. It's perfect. It's shalom-like. It's shalom-like in the sense that God was a peopled, communal person before anything existed. Nothing was missing in God's relationship with God and nothing will be broken. And that's what the new heaven and new earth will be like. Nothing will be missing. Nothing will be broken. It's called shalom. Even our environment that we've been destroying for hundreds of years will be fully transformed. Now you might ask some questions. Is there going to be work there? Probably. I don't know what kind. I hope so. I like to work. Do you like to work? I like working. Sense of purpose. Now, Biggie, and I'm not going to really answer it, is there really a thing, place called hell? Ah, I got you. your ears perked up. Well, a lot of good Christians say yes, and a lot of good Christians say no. And I'm going to tell you my opinion, but not up here, maybe outside. Um, I can say this. Most of our images of hell come more from Dante than they come from the text. And I don't have time to go into anything more on that. All right. If that's our great story, that's our future. That's a good future. That means we're... You don't die. We already did. It's a transformation to our ultimate resurrected state in the final place of the new heaven and new earth. That's just downright good old plain reformed theology. Now, if that's true, that should ought to give us hope. That should ought to give us hope. I was reading in a book this week uh, about farmers, and I remember being in Honduras on a short-term project many years ago. I got to get rolling. Uh, they were trying to teach the farmers in Honduras how to uh, layer, uh, as opposed to slashing and burning. They wanted they wanted farmers to layer their produce because it was extremely hilly. It's hard to walk. And uh, my friend, who was the primary missionary there, says, "Yeah, they've been doing this." They've been doing this cutting and burning for a long time, and it creates all kinds of problems, erosion, they can't. And we're trying to get them to learn how to terrace their, their produce. And I'm like, well, how are you doing that? And he says, well, I just went out and bought some of my own land, and I call it a demonstration plot. And I'm just trying to demonstrate for them over the years how much more effective this is than what they're doing. He says, it's starting to take... I love this notion of demonstration plot. Not trying to gain anything different, just trying to show the world a different alternative way to farm, and the farmers who are slashing and burning can come along and take a look and say, you know what, this thing might work, I'll try it. I like that principle in light of what I've just said. If this is our great story, how do we as a community people live out that future story currently in our common, current day with hope, like a demonstration plot. Did you follow that? I hope so, because I'm kind of struggling this morning. Sorry about that. Four things. To me, this is hope, okay? If this future is true, we can be hopers. How can we be hopers? We can bear tragedy.
We can bear tragedy. Secondly, we can embrace irony. Now, irony is a tricky, slippery word. Irony deals in things that aren't always what they seem to be. Irony gazes beneath the surface to see deeper meanings and things that may be opposite of what they appear to be. That's why I like irony for a Christian faithful man or woman. Because after all, it really truly is better to play in a team that ultimately wins than a team that wins but ultimately loses. And I know what you're thinking. Because we already confessed earlier, I want it now. I hate losing. Well, we haven't. That's the power of the the story. It's the foolishness of the cross. The power of the resurrection. Powers and principalities and all authorities, even death will be put at the feet of God. All transformed. Renewed. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Shalom. Not only can we bear tragedy and embrace irony, we can remain calm and hopeful while the rest of the world's running around with their hair on fire. Now, it doesn't mean we don't engage. We are engaging. We're engaging in a way to build a demonstration plot to live like this in a world that wants to thrash and burn. And we're trying to say, no, we've got another story to tell. Take a look. It works. Come on over. You're invited. It's an alternative way to live to show the world an alternative way to thrash 